Good morning. This is Cassidy Sharples with the Red X. I hope everyone is having a fantastic day. Welcome to Q&A with Top Prospectors. This is where we answer your prospecting questions with the best of the best, people who have proven prospecting processes and approaches to predictably generating listing appointments. We get these questions weekly from you, the listeners. So when you see an email from us, the Red X, that's your opportunity to ask any question that's standing in the way of getting the results that you want. After that, we go to the top prospectors for answers and we help you on your way to success. So this week's section is going to cover the questions that we've received in the last week and an overwhelming amount of questions actually concerned expireds. In fact, 55% of those questions. So we're really excited to help out that many people. People. So these questions typically fell into three categories, call techniques, mental barriers such as motivation, confidence, overcoming rejection, and making a better plan. So I am so excited to introduce you today a wonderful prospecting agent from our Red X community of top prospecting agents, and we are just so excited. Blair Ballin is incredible. He is highly spoken of amongst our Red X community, and we're just really excited to have him today. Blair, how are you doing? Very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're very excited. Like I've said, like a million times, your name came up in the office over and over again. So it's a little bit like I'm talking to a celebrity. <laughs> Can you give me like a quick story on how you got into real estate, where you are now? Sure. So I've been in the business about 20 years now and bought my uh, first home probably just before that. And uh, when I bought it, I used a realtor. I was referred to that realtor. I felt that that realtor did a really lousy job. And I was a first-time buyer, and I didn't feel like I was educated throughout the process. So basically, I wanted to get in the business to help other buyers so that type of process wouldn't happen to them because it is a very big purchase. And I felt that it maybe was my own fault, but basically, um, I didn't want that to happen to other people. So I formed my business on helping first-time buyers. It's evolved drastically since then to working with many different avenues, but certainly still working with first-time buyers is one of my passions. And throughout the years, it's also taken a completely different turn than what I would have thought based on what my personality was to having to be on the phones prospecting for both buyers and sellers. Whereas when I got in the business, I thought, you know, I just run a bunch of advertisements, marketing, whatever. And I know that that works for some people, but prospecting has been the basis of my business for at least the past seven years and and made up a very good amount of it. Wow. Well, that's really interesting that you learned from a bad experience. You learned like, okay, now I know what not to do. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, even though that experience wasn't very good, I did get my house. I love the house. But I am grateful that that happened because who knows, if the realtor did a great job, I might not be where I am today. Oh, well, that's that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. So Absolutely. our first group of questions is going to have to deal with call techniques. So the questions we have for you are, do you have a technique for overcoming the fear associated with calling? How many calls or how long do you prospect every day? And what's the best way to interact with a hostile or irritated seller? So let's start with the first <laughs> question. Do you have a technique for overcoming the fear associated with calling? I think I'm, I'm going to say that this is pretty simple, but it's not because it does take a lot for someone to to change their mindset or attitude. But for me, it was really, you know, I, I initially didn't like the I thought of calling, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I started thinking back to other jobs I had where I was a telemarketer, and I'm not comparing what we do to telemarketing because it's completely different. And then also some door knocking jobs I had and dealing with rejection, all that kind of stuff. And I, and I realized, okay, so I make the calls, you know, not totally a big deal. Yes, I'll get yelled at. Yes, people won't want to talk to me. Some people will. But what it really came down to was, 
I had no option when I began my prospecting journey to the degree that, you know, made a difference in my career. I had to do it. There was no other way to get business. So either I live on the street and I'm homeless and I don't eat or I make calls. And it was that simple for those that aren't in the same situation. I think, you know, they probably just have to have the mindset that this is what they need to do to increase their business to accomplish their goals. Otherwise, it's just going to be the continued, you know, I know I need to make the calls, but I'll do it tomorrow or the next week or whatever until you reach that. And I'm not trying to sound negative, but I think until someone reaches that fear point, basically, of, oh, my God, I have to do something. What do I need to do? Then that, for me, was the easiest way, and it led to very, very good and big things. Mm -hmm. So once it becomes necessary in your mind, like an absolute essential need, you just push through. For me, that was the case, yes. And I mean, not everyone's going to be that way. You know, everyone's in a different financial position or whatever the case may be. For those people that don't have to do it, it is going to be tougher unless they start seeing and hearing the results directly that, hey, this prospecting thing actually works, which it does. I mean, it's time tested for however long that, you know, one of two ways to work in real estate, you either prospect or you market. And prospect mm-hmm. is when you reach out to people. Marketing is when you do something to get them to reach out to you. And if you don't have mm-hmm. money to market or don't want to market, prospecting is really the best way to do it. And with tools like Red X and all that kind of stuff that have, in my opinion, the best data uh, from all the programs and systems out there, it makes it that much okay. easier. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That's, that's really cool that you figured that out kind of on your own. Um, What advice would you give to people who just don't have that mindset automatically, who need to get into the mindset that this is necessary? Those people, you know, who aren't like you, that did not find that naturally, organically. I don't know that this is the answer that you want to hear or that they want to hear, but I don't know that there is a solution because I run a team and I've had people on the team that I've told them that for them to reach their goals, they can, you know, do marketing, open houses, prospecting. They could see my results of me prospecting and they knew they had to do it, but they never did and they're still not doing it. Mm -hmm. And there's just nothing that I can do to tell them or advise them or coach them on until they reach the point where they know that they have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the the results are out there that prospecting works, whether it's with, you know, Mike Ferry as a coach or other people that we might see on Facebook that are very good at prospecting, whether it's expired, FISBOs or whatever, it works. But until someone really does it for themselves and understands that it's not as difficult as we make it out to be and the rejection thing, that's not really a big deal. I mean, I try to turn it into humor So, you know, if someone yells at me or drops the F-bomb on me or whatever, it just just turns into something humorous and maybe making a Facebook post out of it so other people laugh about it. So like yesterday, as an example, I was was calling expireds and before I could say something, because this was not a current expired, they were getting a ton of calls. They were like something along the lines of, if you are a realtor, then I don't want to talk to you. And basically I responded immediately and yes, I'm sarcastic. And I said, no, I'm a realtor, not a realtor. Uh, and, and, you know, the conversation didn't go anywhere. He hung up on me anyway. But, okay, it was just, it was humorous to me. So I, maybe I internalize it more and whatever, but it, it didn't matter. And, and it takes time for some people to deal with, you know, that not like a mean response or whatever, but like, who cares? We can't expect to please everyone. If we call 100 people, we're certainly not going to reach 100 people. And we're certainly not going to get 100 people to say yes. 
So just accept that it's a numbers game, and we constantly try to improve our numbers. Yeah. I like that. I like that you put a positive spin on that because that's something that people can do. That's something they can work towards. That's a good goal. Mm-hmm. And then what are some other ways that you reset after bad calls? Like other than internalizing it and making it positive or humorous. I would say, like, if it's a specific call, I just do my best to keep moving on. If I need to take a break, listen to some music or whatever, and then get back to calling later in the day, then, you know, that might be a way. If it's after a a time period of calling, like a day or two or whatever, just taking a break. I mean, there's no question that prospecting is hard work because, you know, you're there doing something that is hard because for many different reasons, but many people don't like doing it because it is hard work and sometimes hard work is what we need to do to get to where we want. But just taking a break from it, you know, there's nothing wrong with calling for a couple days and regardless if the outcomes were good or bad, just taking some time off to make sure that you refresh because you can get burnt out from it, whether just because of the efforts put into it or the objections and stuff that you're hearing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's good to reset and just kind of mentally start over in whatever way you need to. So you said that you like to listen to music, take a break. Is there any specific thing you like to do? Do you like to take a walk? Do you like to go somewhere specific? What are some um, ways you refresh? For for me, it would be, you know, a little bit louder music. So uh, a couple years ago, I created a vision video. It has my favorite song in there, which is Eye of the Tiger, uh, and then some different nice. goals that I have. So I'll try to play that. I'm not always good about playing it, but I'll play that so I can see what my goals are, short and long term. If it's not that, it's doing what the opposite of the prospecting is. And, and I, I make the prospecting fun, or I try to, but it would be probably doing something like going on Facebook, which is, you know, completely the opposite from the standpoint Like, you know, you don't have to work at something. You can comment. You can like stuff. You can look at silly videos, whatever, to to try and counteract whatever negative stuff or positive might have occurred. So you can just have a break and just relax and then get right back on the phone if you have to or want to. Yeah, I like that. There's other ways you can make things positive around you. I like that. Uh, do Do you have a link to that vision video? I'm just curious. I do think it's on YouTube, but it's been so while since I saw it there. I just have it on my computer, but I, I know I have your email address. I can, If I can dig it up or produce it, then I'll email you the link to share with everyone if you want. Great. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. So you mentioned, you know, just the long, long periods of time you spend prospecting. So I let's move on to our next question. Um, how many calls or how long do you prospect every day? So I, I think, and, and hopefully I can relate well to the audience here, you know, I set my week up Sunday night to say, okay, I want to accomplish these goals, whether that's this amount of appointments, contacts, contracts, listings, whatever, and then also amount of hours called because my business is based off of me prospecting. And I would like to add before I answer that question is that what I think a lot of agents don't totally understand, either because they haven't seen it yet and they will once they put forth the efforts, is something I've noticed more, especially in the past couple years as I've prospected more, is that we shouldn't focus as much on the results. We should just focus more on the activity. So if the goal for the week for me is eight hours of prospecting, eight hours of calling, great. I do my eight hours. If no appointments come from it, so be it. We've accomplished that, and then we should reward ourselves from it because we've accomplished it. The outcome 
could be because maybe enough people were in home. Maybe we need to brush up on our scripts and, you know, do more role-playing. Maybe we just called at the wrong times. But the fact of the matter is we made the effort to make the calls, and that's phenomenal. That doesn't mean that we want to continue calling every week and not have any business come from it. But um, the next point is what I have noticed, and I do believe that this will occur for everyone, regardless of their thoughts of, like, energy and the movie The Secret and all that kind of stuff, is I believe if the energy sees you putting out the effort to make these calls or doing efforts for your business, that you will end up getting business not necessarily related to a call that you made speaking to Mrs. Jones, but somehow you just end up getting business. And I know for many weeks where I was calling and not having the best luck, I was still getting business because of the efforts I was putting forth, and it had nothing to do with the calling exactly related to me calling an expired or expireds for that week. I might not have listed any expireds or gotten any appointments from that, but I was getting business from other stuff. So I, I think agents need to know that that's important and kind of go from there. I think that's really interesting because a lot of people start results first. So it's it's interesting that you focus on the work, you know, the, yeah. the, the actual and, calling. So I think basically, you know, like may, maybe comparing it to something that more people might be familiar with, like an athlete, basketball player, Michael Jordan. He might not be the best example, but if he continues to, you know, shoot free throws, Yes, he wants to be able to make more free throws, but if he's, you know, envisioning that he's going to be in the seventh game of, of a finals game uh, in a championship and he's on the free throw line, all that experience will eventually have paid off. And, and even if he was practicing those free throws, he might not have made every single one. You want to get better at your form, your skill sets, all that kind of stuff. But just doing that practice really, really pays off. And if we judge ourselves on the outcome, we're going to continue to, unfortunately, degrade ourselves because we're going to be like, oh, this calling thing stinks. It doesn't work. I don't want to do it more. I don't want to do it at all. And it shouldn't be that. Just focus on doing the activity and then from there, tracking stuff to figure out what can be improved so then we can potentially get more business from that activity but still not judging it off of that. Interesting. Okay, so you're saying, just I'm reiterating here, that there's a lot of different good things that come out of doing a lot of calls, and it doesn't always have to be a result like a sell. It's just being better at talking to people or, you know, just other skills you have to have as a real estate agent. Totally, and, and it shouldn't be, you know, like I'm going to make two hours of calls today, and, and if I don't get any appointments, then I'm not going to do it ever again. Like that's just sort of silly because that will happen. And maybe, again, you called at the wrong time. Maybe you have bad days. Data. Maybe you have whatever. Maybe it's a holiday. You know, who knows? Or graduation day for high school and all, all the parents are out and you can't reach anyone. So the, the important thing is just to do the activity. And one of the things that's allowed me to be more successful with prospecting is the consistency. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like you could probably have me on a stage with someone else prospecting and their scripts and their dialogues and objection handlers are probably better than me. But if you look at my consistency, which it's not always there, it's probably a little bit more consistent than some agents, and that's one of the things that's allowed me to do the things that I've done and accomplish the goals that I've had. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. So what do you feel like? You, you were talking about consistency. So do you have a specific time you start every morning to prospect expired? 
Um, I'm pretty much across the board because I think, so I'm in the Phoenix market, and I know there's plenty of other markets in the country that are like this. We have a population of, let's just say, about 5 million. We have maybe, I haven't looked at the most recent numbers, but maybe between four to 500 expired a month in our general area. And we have about 40,000 agents, and then we have a bunch of brokerages and teams and companies that have hired ISAs to call expires in our market, too understanding that not all those 40,000 agents are calling, but there are a lot of calls being made to these expireds. So it's tough in any market. You know, there can be justification that if the price range is higher, that there's less expires, and even if there's five agents calling, there's still competition for that. Whereas, you know, in my market, if there's 100 agents calling, that's what it is, and that's what we have to deal with. And I'm not necessarily concerned about how many people call, but I don't necessarily like to just say, I'm going to call from 8 to 9 a.m. every weekday because stuff just pops up. And I think it's more about saying I want to make these eight hours or I will be making these eight hours of calls for the week, which that's usually my goal. And if it's Monday at 8 to 9, then I'm going to make that hour of calls. And if no one's picking up, then probably no one's going to pick up from 9 to 10. So I have to figure out a different time during the day. But again, if no one's picked up during those two hours, I'm I'm still going to reward myself for having made those calls and sticking to my goal. And then maybe Wednesday night call from 6 to 8 p.m. So it's it's not necessarily a set routine. I don't totally buy into the, you know, we have to call from a set time first thing in the morning so we just get it done. If we're just doing something to get it done, I don't think the results are going to be as good as they could be. I'm more about figure out what works with our schedule that we're comfortable with to do this activity so we can get as much business from it as possible and help as many people as possible. I have a really interesting perspective, a good way of looking at it. Uh, you keep saying reward yourself. How do you reward yourself? Um, so my wife and my daughter and I, we like to eat out. So I'm not going to suggest that we like eat out every day after I make my calls. But at the end of the week, <laughs> if I've accomplished something, um, you know, we'll try to treat ourselves to an additional meal or dinner or something like that to a place that we probably normally don't go to. So instead of like going to a Chipotle, maybe go to something that's a little bit pricier, but I don't mean to make it sound like we're going to like a $300 meal. It's just not necessarily like a Chipotle or whatever. So we can enjoy it a little bit more. You know, I put forth the work and I think I deserve it. My family deserves it because they are putting up with me not always being available. So that's sort of the reward. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. I, I, I like to get out as well, so that's my reward <laughs> and, and one, Totally. One other thing is, though, so I actually, and I'm different, just period, and, and wired differently. I get very worked up by calls in, in a mm-hmm. good way, and I'm a very competitive person. So for me, if my business is, you know, on the uptrend or, or downtrend, it doesn't really matter, and I know I need to make calls, and I've been setting appointments, then logic would probably tell me I should make more calls. So it becomes a challenge for me, or a task, I should say, that, okay, Saturday morning, I don't really have anything planned. Let me go hit the phones because Saturdays have been good for me. Other agents probably aren't calling as much, uh, has been my experience, and because it's the weekend, it's early. So if I'm on the phone by 8 a.m. Saturday morning, I'm probably less likely to deal with the objection, you know, or response that you're the hundredth agent to call, which again, I'm not, I I don't let that defeat me. I'm just saying it's the less we have to handle, the better. So 
going back to the scheduling question or weekly calendar type stuff, I will try to add in a weekend session because less agents are calling, more people are probably home, more people are probably likely to answer, and it gives me something else to work off of. And I, I personally, and maybe I'm a dork, but I personally get a natural high um, from saying, you know, I made 50 calls or however many calls, set these many appointments or had this many contacts. It continues to be a challenge with me and continues to be a challenge to get someone on the phone, get someone to appreciate the service I can deliver, and then potentially get the appointment and then potentially get a contract or a deal or whatever. So for me, adding in different times throughout the week, different days, is something I always try to do because I get a high from it and a natural high that, you know, I'm more excited about life because I got someone on the phone and I was able to convince them, I was able to show them how valuable I can be in their real estate transaction. Cool. Very cool. You can like inspire yourself like that and just like keep moving forward. So how do you know how many calls to make or appointments to set? Like how do you make those goals? So at the beginning of the year, or I should say prior to the beginning of the year, you know, I have an annual goal and then I try to break that down to quarterly goals and then monthly goals and then weekly goals. And it's as simple as just saying I want or I'm going to have four appointments this week, get one contract and one listing and that kind of stuff. And it, it's figured off of what my annual goal is so I can accomplish that. And without that annual goal, which is sort of like the roadmap, um, you know, we don't know where we're going. Uh, so if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to be able to get there. Uh, now, I'm also, I, I'm a super technical person from the standpoint, you know, like figuring out, like, let's say my goal for this year, it, it's not, but let's just say it was to sell five homes or 12 homes, one one deal a month. Um, that's obviously one deal a month. How many appointments do I have to have to get that deal, closing contracts, all that kind of stuff? Um, I don't think we need to get super technical each week to say, you know, if I put right. more than my appointments should be, that that doesn't lead to my goal. Like, just put something down, uh, do your best to do it on a weekly basis, and then come up with a number. It should be in alignment, but if it's not, like, you don't have to spend hours and saying, well, you know, th- these are too many appointments, and that's not going to lead to my goal. It's like, nothing can be wrong with too many appointments, so just go with what you get. Yeah, and then there's that competitive element you talked about. You turn prospecting into a game by defining what winning looks like. Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. Um. Okay, well, I actually I actually have a, a question for you because I, you keep saying that you're, you're very competitive and you like to do things differently. You're wired a little bit differently. How do you start a call without sounding like every other single agent this person's talking to, especially with expired leads? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think the answer is I, I don't know that there really is a way. Uh, I, I use a script or I, I use a script that I created based off of all the coaches that I had and people that I heard from that really went well with me as a person. Uh, and I, and I thought it was different, but I mean, the reality is when they're being called by a hundred people or whatever number that they probably heard it from someone else. And I'm not going to name certain coaches that say that they have different scripts, I think we just need to say whatever is comfortable with us. Um, I mean, like right now I'm using a script that uh, is basically like 
Um, the intro is, you know, hi, I'm looking for Cassidy. Uh, they say whatever, and then I say, or or I might say it with all that also is, this is Blair with Conway. Have you heard of us? And I thought that that was um, new to me, at least, and I thought it was newer, uh, the person I learned it from. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, I was actually on uh, a, a Red X training call of some sort where it was a, a live objection call and I used that script. It was posted in some Facebook forums and a bunch of people were like, Oh yeah, that, that script's been around for, you know, however long. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was really good and you did a good job with it. And there we go thinking like, I thought it was new, but it's not. And then I don't know that there's really a new script out there. I think the importance is using what's comfortable with us because if we start just repeating words that we're not comfortable with, uh, we're not going to enjoy that call. We're not going to get the benefit that we should from it, and the consumer's not going to get the benefit. So I don't know that there is something different. I think we just need to come up with something that we feel comfortable with. Yeah, because when you feel comfortable, the consumer feels comfortable. Absolutely. And, and all of that stuff comes out in the call. Um, you know, in the words we use, the tone, the uh, inflection, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, totally. I 100% agree. Uh, so the final question that we actually had was uh, the best way to interact with a hostile or irritated seller. And I feel like we talked about that already a little bit. You'd like to put like a positive spin on what they say, kind of bring some humor out of it, you know, post on Facebook, have, you know, just turn it into something that you can laugh at. Do you have any other methods you want to mention? Um, you know, I, I think on the, on the phone, through all of these um, like objection handling, role playing stuff that we do, which is great because we're we're building our skill sets, we're practicing, which is one of the most important things. In in my opinion, the reality is with me, and and maybe it's different. It is different for everyone else. But uh, if we get a hostile seller on the phone, it's it's generally speaking hard to get them to see differently. So, you know, we just need to accept that. We can try to continue to try our best to go along with the script, to try and convert them, keep asking questions. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And we need to accept either outcome. Uh, but um, as, as another example, I, I called someone yesterday and they, they said something along the lines of, you know, like I'm on the do not call list, you shouldn't be calling me. Um, I don't do business with people that call me on the phone. And not all the time do I have my comebacks or whatever you want to call it. But uh, so, again, they, they said, you know, like, I don't do business with people that call me over the phone. And and I came back with, okay, when would be a good time for me to come by and meet you face to face? Because you said you don't want me calling you. Um, and, you know, some people might call that sarcastic. Some people might call it rude. Some people might say that I wasn't respecting their wishes to me. Um, they said something specifically. and. I said something specifically that had nothing to do with what they said, and I was respecting their wishes. So um, I'm not going to say, like, after that call, I was like, ha you know, I, I, I got them or whatever. Uh, it, it didn't matter, but the point was I continued on with another question um, that I thought was appropriate. I didn't let that answer get to me, um, and I moved on with it. Certain sellers uh, or certain prospects are going to be rude, and, and we just need to accept it, move on. Yes, it'll affect us sometimes, and the reality is we're we're doing something that a lot of prospects don't like, and um, 
we still have value to bring. We need to show them that value, and we need to just move on. It's part of the job. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But you said that sometimes it affects you. Like, if it – do you ever get, like, truly hurt by something that someone says? These people can be pretty mean. Uh, and if that happens to you, how do you, how do you get over that? Is the humor spin? How do you move on from that? I, I, I mean, I'm sure – in, in all of the prospecting calls, someone has said something that affected me. I mean, like the the, the one that probably comes to my mind, but um, I don't really think like I, I cared that much after. I, I mean, I heard it, and then I probably even laughed at it because it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, he's like, you're a leech on society. And, and, and to me, that's just like funny. Um, some people are probably going to take that <laughs> – a little bit differently and you know like that's really rude like and uh i'm going to be hurt but whatever they're they're being called at a time when they might not like it i respect that i still want to get business so i i'm probably not a good person to ask that question to because i i don't really let it affect me on a call by call basis now if i'm making 100 calls and 100 people tell me that same thing that's rude or you know call me a name or whatever I, I'm probably eventually going to get worn worn out, um, and then I need to uh, uh, remove myself from it and take a break. You know, whether that's an afternoon, a day, or whatever. But I, again, I'm probably not a good person to ask for because I just I, I just move on. It's it's not a big deal. Yeah, and that's actually a question in and of itself. Uh, just again, like we've we've talked about, just learning to not be affected. <laughs> is the best way to deal with being affected is just getting better at not being affected. Do you ever get, you know, positive reception? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where some of the uh, natural highs come out. You know, like a couple weeks ago I spoke to someone and, and she was, it was a Saturday morning and the home had come off the market and what what the discussion, how the discussion went about was, exactly in alignment how I run my business. So last year I wrote a book, and I really did. It's called The Price is Right. It's about basically expired listings and how many agents, um, uh, when they go on expired appointments or talk on the phone about them, they're they're usually going to uh, battle and only speak to the owner about price and how it should be lower. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't think price is the most important factor in any market. Uh, I'm not saying it's not important. So in this conversation, uh, and, and I'm, I don't want that to come across to say, like, I go to every expired or any homeowner and just win them over by quoting the highest price. Uh, I believe we as agents don't always do the best job of um, doing market research and understanding the market. So I'm able to usually support a higher list price and then sale price. And on this call, that aligned perfectly with that homeowner, and I, I felt extremely good. Now, whether she chooses to do business with me or not, I don't know. I did my job. I made the call. Um, we, I had a contact, and things went very well, and I felt so good about it because now there's this homeowner who knows there's at least one realtor out there who believes what I believe, and um, I happen to believe personally that that's the right belief is that uh, price wasn't the issue with her home not selling, and um, I felt really, really good about that, and I was delivering that to someone who I think needed to hear it, um, not mm-hmm. because 
of any other reason other than just um, her knowing that, hey, my home is on the market. A bunch of people were telling me price is too high, um, and she felt deflated, and um, she shouldn't. I mean, it's a beautiful home, and it, it really – I got a natural high from that because now here's someone who thinks, okay, price – probably wasn't the problem. I have a realtor out there who believes what I believe, and should I decide to sell in the future, I'm probably going to give him a chance, and I felt really good about that. So, yeah, like every positive experience is valuable, whether or not you end up selling. Totally, and even even negative experiences. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to, like everyone else has spoken to, uh, older expireds, and, and they've probably had a bad experience, and I'm trying to turn it into a good one uh, to, to make sure that they understand that it just happened. Uh, you know, we j- just as I've said, we can't focus on the outcome. Yes, the outcome should be selling a home, but maybe they just listed the home at the wrong time. Maybe it was price. Yeah. Maybe it was condition. Maybe it was something else. But let, let me deliver to you to show you uh uh, what I can do, and maybe the outcome will remain the same, um, but, you know, the effort put forth won't be the same, in my opinion, uh, and we're going to market the heck out of the home, and you're probably going to have a better experience, and to me, that's a lot of value, and that, that's continuing, in my opinion, to improve our um, profession as realtors, uh, which sometimes doesn't always have the best um, image and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and like, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think that's really valuable to our listeners and especially those who are having trouble with motivation or confidence and which is great because that's actually what we're going to talk about next. We, we received a lot of questions of people who were just like, like we've mentioned, afraid to get on the phone or they're, they're just terrified of rejection that, you know, and they haven't yet learned how to not be affected by it. So the first question is just, what advice do you have for overcoming distraction or procrastination, procrastination specifically? Not just not wanting to get on the phone, but if something comes by that catches your eye and you just can't get your eyes away from it, how do you how do you overcome that? Um, so I think two answers to that. The first would be um, is is we focus on our goal, and if the goal is making two hours of calls, then that's the goal. The and, and I'm not a uh, subscriber to the belief that, um, you know, like put my phone away, put all distractions away. Uh, we're realtors. We're dealing with, in, in my opinion, in the entire United States, I don't know about other countries, but uh, probably a seller's market to most degree. And if we're working with a buyer client or any client and an offer comes in or we get someone requesting a showing, uh, and I know different coaches are going to disagree with me on this, and that's fine. Um, I I want to help that client. Uh, so that doesn't mean I'm going to hang up on my prospecting session, but I'm going to do my best to handle that while I'm doing it. Do I lose, lose focus on the expired call or the prospecting call? Absolutely. But I'm still initiating that other business, and I'm still going to get my other task done. And and. I don't think we as humans can really avoid distractions easily, at least most of us. Some of us can. Um, but I, I think for the average prospector, average realtor, 
uh, and I don't mean anything negative by average. I just mean your typical realtor that's making calls. I say just just accept it and then know that you're still going to have to do those calls. So if something comes up where you get uh, you have to hang up um, and you have to handle something else for 20 minutes, when that's up, make sure that you've freed yourself from whatever happened and then get right back on the phone. Don't Don't make it such a big thing like, Oh my God, like I, uh, had to handle this for however long. Um, I'll, I'll give a good example. I, I think not because it's mine. I'm not trying to sound like some egotistical maniac. It's just, I have an example that I think can work well. Um, two weeks ago, I arranged for a call session in my office for me and a team member. And it was supposed to be like 5 to 7 p.m. Really excited about it. Going to hit the phones to call expired, buyers, all that kind of stuff. And, at about 4.40 maybe, uh, I received a call from my father, didn't answer it, ended up checking voicemail whenever it came in two, three minutes later. Um, he lives in a different state, uh, mm-hmm. and I found out that he essentially had a heart attack, uh, and he was in the emergency room or ICU or whatever. Um, and here I am. Uh, trying to, you know, get prepared for my call session in 15 minutes and, like, you know, to say, and that might be the extreme example, sort of, uh, but to say, like, you know, let's just avoid the distraction and, you know, go make our calls, whatever, like, that's not, I, I don't see how that's possible. Um, so, you know, I, I was able to get in touch with them. I didn't start the call session right at 5 o'clock, but I did start the call session eventually. And I made the calls, and um, I, I was able to get through to some contacts and uh, set some appointments and potentially get some business out of it. And, and by no means did I, like, overlook what had happened to him, but it was a very big distraction. It was constantly on my mind. I'm sure my, you know, tonality on the phone wasn't the same because I was down, but I knew I had to make the calls, and I did. And um, was I distracted? Absolutely. Well, and that's that's really interesting. It's almost like, it, and tell me if I'm wrong, but embracing distraction and learning to multitask 100%. rather than forcing yourself away from everything. 100%. Yeah, and I, I think multitasking is an excellent skill for real estate agents to learn. Anyway. It, it it really is, and I think you know, a couple years ago, and I'm not this isn't a negative comment about the author or the book, uh, but there was that book written by Gary Keller called The One Thing, and I think some agents sometimes see or read that or internalize that and saying, okay, I'm going to make my expired calls and I'm, or calling and I'm going to do nothing else. And, and I don't, I don't know that that was the intention. If it was, then I misunderstood it. But I think it's more about, um, just as you said, just as you said, and you put it perfectly is embracing it. Like, you know, now when, when you're making your calls, if someone picks or when someone picks up, you have to be focused on that conversation and your dialogue and all that stuff. But there's nothing wrong with writing thank you cards while, you know, you're on your uh, Red X or whatever dialer um, you're using if you're using a dialer, which I would strongly suggest. Um, but <clears throat> writing thank you notes because after your call session, you might have a bunch of tasks to do and you might just want to get home. So I don't see how it hurts you to do these other things while you're doing your calls. As long as you know when someone picks up the phone, you're there, that's what you're focused on, that's your one thing. Other than that, I think multitasking is fine. 
That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's great. And you're right, maybe people need to hear that. Maybe they're better multitaskers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we we got a lot of phrases that more or less is the same thing, which is, I don't like making the calls. Um, and, you know, that's a pretty general term, like I said before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering if you could kind of work through with me, how would you diagnose why a person doesn't like a call? Like, if they're not sure what it is about it that they don't like, how would they go about figuring it out and overcoming it? Um, I'm not much of a a generalization kind of person, but I think usually it boils down to uh, fear of rejection, um, hearing something negative because we as humans don't like to, you know, be called something uh, negatively or or not tell us a yes or what we want to hear. And then it just goes back to what I think you had originally asked me about is, I, I know I need to make the calls, otherwise I'm not going to be able to pay bills and accomplish my goals, so whatever. Like, I, I just have to get over it. Um, a couple yeah. years ago, I attended a Tony Robbins conference, the Unleash Your Power Within, which I would suggest to any realtor to go to. And in that conference is the the event where you walk across the hot coals. And really, I think the only reason to not walk across it would be fear of, burning your feet or fear of whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. And one of the things in the conference is how to change your state. So, you know, if you approach the coals correctly and and they teach you how to approach it um, and while you walk across it, uh, of the like 10,000 people who did it, maybe four uh, from what I remember, like maybe got a little bit of a burn. And I'm comfortable in saying with that kind of ratio or percentage or whatever, that they probably didn't follow the rules and they didn't know how to change their state and they were fearful of walking across them. So what's going to happen? You're going to be in fear and then you're going to open up your body and mind to getting hurt and they got hurt. So with these calls, it's, you know, I'm not trying to downplay someone's fears or all that kind of stuff, but the reality is just, just get on the phones. Like once you get on the phones, you'll, you'll see the results. Yeah, right. come come to terms with that fear in whatever way you have to because it's a necessity. Absolutely. So I guess our final section here is just about making a better plan, you know, acknowledging what's, what is not right with your routine and what needs to be fixed. So a lot of people said that they weren't getting the results that they wanted. Um, how do you help a real estate agent diagnose this issue and fix it? How, how do they know what is getting in their way? to getting to that success level? So, A, it would be making sure that they have a plan with some written form of their goals, and then from there, uh, figuring out, let's just say they were prospecting, um, and their goal is three hours a week. So they make their calls, Mm -hmm. figuring out when they called, who they're calling, um, making sure that uh, they've tracked everything. So, Okay, so let's say today they make 100 calls and they reach no one. So do we think the data is bad? If the data is bad, then replacing data to figure out, um, you know, let's correct that part of it so then we can reach people. And then once we reach people, if we're not getting any appointments, is it based off of what we said? So we analyze that. And um, one of the toughest things I did uh, was record my calls and then gave them to my coach at the time. And um, not, it was tough 
from a really good standpoint in that I'm thinking, okay, I have this person who uh, was an awesome prospector when he was in the business, and he's going to be analyzing this like I need to be on the top of my game. And it, it made me step up even more. So, yes, that isn't how all calls normally go, but he was able to tell, okay, um, you know, from your hour of calling, you spoke to this many people, this is what you said, this is what you could have said. And my initial reaction when the calls were over, the recording was over, is like, you know, I suck, all my objection handlers were awful, I give it to him, and I don't think he was just appeasing me, he really felt it was pretty good. There was still, there was room for improvement, um, the data was okay, uh, but there were things I could have said a little bit differently or added that would have uh, extended questions, dialogues to improve that to then know, okay, my wording wasn't ideal. Let me improve the wording. So, if, you know, we just have to take it step by step, figuring out, A, is the data good? If it's good, is what we're saying good? Did we call it a good time? Trying different times and just, you know, Trying, trying different things to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and then um, kind of analyzing that and going from there. Yeah, like attaining a certain level of self-awareness so that you can both reward yourself but also critique yourself in a way that's positive. Absolutely. Um, great. Thank you. Uh, so how do you know – I guess this is how I would like to phrase it. How do you know that data is good? Like how, how does – how are you going through and you're like, yeah, this is this is just the standard stuff, or how do you know if it's this is not good, this is not a good batch? Um, question. I, I think it's uh, if you're making these calls uh, to whoever and you're just not getting who you want to on the phone, um, then, then it, over time, then you can start to probably – come up with a good assumption that this data is bad and you guys never have asked me to do this or endorse red x or whatever uh but red x in my opinion for expireds i i don't call fizbos i'm i'm frightened of them uh but for expireds and i'm not suggesting that red x's data for fizbos is bad i just don't call them so i can't speak to it but red x's right. data for expireds in my opinion is the best in the industry um and uh could that be different in other markets? It could be. Uh, I, I don't think so, but it could be because I'm not in other markets and I haven't tested it, so I don't know. But, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I was with competitors here, the data was awesome, and then there came a point where I just wasn't reaching people more uh, or like I used to, and it, it had nothing to do with calling times. The data just went bad, and that happens with all I, I believe it happens with all providers. Everything is cyclical, and we need to keep analyzing it, tracking, and then understanding there there might come a point where we need to change providers or just add a supplement um, and continuing uh, to analyze that stuff to making sure that we're getting the best return while continuing uh, to accomplish what our goals are. So in other words, if our goal for the week is eight hours of calling and we make those eight hours great, but if we've literally reached no one um, or spoken to people that have nothing to do with the house, there's probably a problem with the data. Let's change it. Let's figure out what the problem was. If it's data, change it, and then now have good data, make those calls, we reach people, cool. And um, 
again, you didn't ask me to endorse Red X, but I'm I'm going to. Uh, when I make these calls with oh, the Red X, <laughs> with the Red X data, like it's it's phenomenal. Um, it's it's like a different product uh, used to be when that product came out or that service, and everyone raved about that product. Um, and and maybe you guys don't appreciate me saying that, but I I will say this product through Red X blows that product away on many different levels, and not only is it the data. Um, but let's just say you provide five numbers for that potential homeowner. However you guys have done it, a lot of the times that first or second number will be the person associated with that home. So for me, now I know I have to work one-fifth or four-fifths less to try to reach that homeowner, which is, outstanding because if I can make more calls, I'm going to reach more people that are associated with the home, which gives me a greater chance of uh, getting more contacts, more appointments, more contracts, more closings. And um, Red X has done a phenomenal job with that. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I Like I said, I'm not going to stop you. Feels good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always happy to hear it. Um, we, we're, we're very passionate about just helping people succeed. So just hearing even from you that we've helped you along, it it's great. I'm, I'm really happy to be having that conversation with you. With the whole prospecting thing, you know, like prospecting isn't just towards expires. It, it's just being on the phone, whether it's calling our database. Um, but since this is a call with you guys from Red X, I will also say you've also done a phenomenal job with getting other um, types of homeowners. Uh, so, you know, you have the for rent by owners, which aren't being called by every realtor because not every realtor has access to uh, them and Red X, and they're easily obtained in Red X. Um, and, like, there's so much data that we can call and prospect to, and I stand behind um, at least those two, meaning the for rent by owners and the expireds, within, and also the, the geographic stuff that you guys have. Those numbers are phenomenal. So it gives agents a really good source to call from figuring out who they want to call. If they're fearful of calling expired because that expired had, in theory, had a bad experience with the previous realtor, don't call the expired. If that's, you know, if that's what you think isn't your game, then pick up the phone and call your area. If that's the area around your house and your da- your guys' data is really good for, for those three different things, um, what like there's not really an objection that can be had from you calling um, a home around your home to see if they might want to sell in the future other than that person saying no. Like it's very rare that you circle prospect and someone's like uh, they drop the F-bomb on you because they're, they're not being inundated with calls like maybe expired. So going back to some of your previous questions about fear or uh, resistance to calling, maybe find someone else to call, a, a different list to call. And, again, Red X has really good data for that. Well, thank you so much. I, we really appreciate hearing that. As, like I said, this is what we're passionate about, and we're just happy to help the community. So I have one final question for you, you know, before we, we end the call, uh, and that is what is the one thing you attribute your success to? Um, so one word would be uh, consistency, and then the other would be I mean, consistency is the biggest thing, uh, and when I'm not consistent with calling, uh, then my business suffers. 
the other is just um, just accomplishing the task. If the task is making calls, uh, it's it's basically just consistency. I mean, like I, I can try to you know come up with other words, other things, but I I think it's just consistency. If I don't make the calls. Um, my business will not get the results that I'm seeking. Um, if I make the calls, something will happen. And, and all of that comes down to consistency. And it's not the words I'm using on the phone because really, if you were, if you were to listen to a call, uh, maybe not you specifically, but you might think like, you know, there's nothing really that he said there that that's that great. Um, maybe because I've done it for a while. Um, I know how to have different responses at different times that 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 comes with experience and stuff, but that that's not necessarily going to get me a lot more appointments. It's just me doing it over and over and over and over and over yeah. that will resilience yeah yeah no i i I hundred percent agree, and if anything, it's just seeing your success is inspiration to be consistent to get to the point that you are. Yeah, I I have lofty goals and I want to reach them and prospecting is the way to do it. There's there's no other way. I'm not um I'm not a type of realtor that likes to and I have nothing against this. I'm not the type of realtor that can walk into a a networking group and start to, you know, like talk to random people. I I don't work that way. I don't have a very big database. Uh calling to me is is the only way that I can accomplish my goals. So the more I do of it, the better off I'll be. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that with us. Uh, do you have any before we go? Do you have any final resources you'd like to share? Coaches, uh, books, videos, anything that you think would be a really imperative source to these real estate agents? Um, so I think from the coaches that are out there, uh, Barino um, is an is an excellent coach to learn from. He's had some really good stuff that's out there on expired CISBOs, whatever. Uh, Dirk Zeller uh, was also a coach of mine at one point. He used to make expired calls, FISBO calls, and he's very good at that also. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we, we know of the maybe some more of the, the popular ones, so to speak, might be like Mike Ferry. I think he's got some good stuff. I, I personally, and I have nothing against Mike Ferry, I personally don't I don't mesh well with those scripts, so I, I don't use them, but they work for others, so I can't say they don't work. Um, I, I think agents should learn as much as possible and then implement something as quickly as possible, learn it, learn about it, and then uh, use what works for you. Um, outside of that and outside of the real estate, real estate world, I would strongly encourage all realtors to learn something from Tony Robbins, whether it's going to a conference, watching some of his YouTube videos, getting over the state of fear, um, accomplishing goals, whatever it is. He's got some awesome stuff that's out there um, that that can really be very good. Um, I I guess one other person uh, in, in the real estate space, and he's someone who I started watching his videos, and I know uh, you guys are a big supporter of him. Derek Lipsky has some really good stuff, um, and some of his older videos where he calls expireds and some nasty expireds, uh, I, I think are some really good calls. And, and he handled them perfectly. And he handled someone who hung up on him. He called right back, and he set the appointment. And probably sold the house. Um, and, and he's very good at what he does. And I, and I think 
those would probably be some of the resources that I would suggest to realtors to um, speak with. And certainly anyone watching or listening to this that want to reach out to me, I'm I'm available uh, for them as well for whatever that's worth to them. That's awesome. Thank you so much for, you know, not just offering your help, but offering all these different resources and names. I'm sure it's going to be very valuable to our listeners. Awesome. Do you have anything else to add before we sign off? Um, I mean, I, I've probably said it throughout the call, but I'm I'm grateful that my original coach told me I needed to be on the phones because it's allowed me to uh, accomplish some of my goals and um, I, I love it and uh, you know I, I do get burnt out from it um, but then I'm I'm right back at it and I know when I'm on the phones my business will, will see results from it and I enjoy talking to people I enjoy the challenge and I, I think for those that are out there that uh, are fearful of making the calls don't want to make the calls just get in there and do it and and you will start to see the results and don't don't focus on the results but you will start to see them. That's excellent. Thank you so much, Blair, for just all your insight. It's very valuable, not just to the agents, but to me as well. I, I learned a lot today. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. All right. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I hope that we can we can talk again soon. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Blair. Have a great day. You're welcome. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's going to be it for today. Thank you guys so much for joining. We hope you had a wonderful educational experience, and we at the Red X love providing this experience to our community. If you want to learn more about Red X or you're just not sure what prospecting tool is best for you, you can call us and learn more about expireds, FISBOs, FURBOs, pre-foreclosures, and our new multi-line storm dialer by calling 800-731-7339, or you can visit our website at theredx.com. Again, that number is 800-731-7339, or you can visit theredx.com. It was my pleasure working to find out what's important to you and getting answers today, and I'm really looking forward to next time. Um, again, this is Cassidy Sharples with the Red X, and I wish you happy products, 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 and I